Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Athlete Voices Podcast. I am your host, Belisha Tang. This week, I am thrilled to have on the podcast Kennedy Eaton. Kennedy is a ballroom dancer from San Jose, California. She moved to New Jersey in September of 2020 to further pursue her dance career with her partner, Dave Firestein. Recently, she won the Under-21 U.S. Nationals and is also the current Under-21 Blackpool champion. Everybody, please welcome Kennedy to the podcast. It's been so long. How I long know. has it been? Like years. Probably like four years, five years. At least. My gosh. Yeah. I remember when I first met you, I think you were 12. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Little baby. Little baby. And I, I always thought, because we trained at the da- same dance studio, Dance Vita Ballroom. Um, yes. And I always thought, oh my God, she's so talented. She's such a beautiful dancer. And look at where you are now. You're living in the East Coast and you are kicking ass, taking names in the ballroom world. Um, You were just recently the under 21 Latin champion at Blackpool. Yes. I want to talk about that for sure. But before that, let's backtrack several years uh, to the beginning. So tell me, how did you get into dancing? What age? What got you into ballroom dance? Um, I started around seven. Uh, There was a studio in San Jose, California called Dance Spectrum, which no longer exists. Um, But my mom was taking salsa and bachata classes, some social dancing, and she saw like a poster saying that they had kids classes. Um, So right away, you know, she signed me up. It was something new that she'd never seen before. Very unique for kids to be doing ballroom, especially that many years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So she signed me up right away. Um, I took a few classes with Artem, who was still like a local in San San Jose. Um, I fell in love with it. I was doing gymnastics at the time as well. um, And I equally liked gymnastics. But my mom was like, you know, you have to choose. It was a big financial burden to be doing both. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just had this really strong feeling that I would go much further in dance. From a young age, I kind of understood that there were much less kids in ballroom and gymnastics was more popular. So I kind of took the leap and decided to just do ballroom. And I quit gymnastics that like month later so wow so you knew from early on that yes I I want to dance very early seven I knew from seven on that was it I did not know it was kind of like this is what I want to do so that's amazing and you were both in standard and latin in the beginning Yes. So in the beginning, yes, I was doing 10 dance. Uh, I took a little break from standard, I would say around 10 when I went open. I went open very early um, Mm -hmm. for an older partner. And so I decided not to do standard for a while, just to focus on Latin with that partner. And then I actually came back to to ballroom standard um, at around, I want to say 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. So I kind of ebbed and flowed with uh, ballroom, but Latin was pretty much my main focus for my whole life yeah wow wow so you were at dance vita I remember we overlapped at some point um so Mm -hmm. how long were you at vita for I joined vita at around nine years old I took my first lesson with yoga um and that's when I started to get more serious into dancing um before that I was with Artem in dance spectrum and I decided to you know go to Vida drive a little bit further for the more competitive coaching and stuff um and I actually went to nationals that first year when I turned nine when I started taking at dance Vida but yeah I would say around nine I started at dance Vida got it yeah and now you are where in New Jersey 
Um, so we're located in Saddlebrook. I actually work for the studio that I take lessons from, which is really cool. Um, it's called Dance Evolution. It's my partner's mom's studio, which is really mm-hmm. nice. So we have a lot of perks with that. Um, it's been open for around eight years. So nice. um, I'm there now. Yes. Wow. Northern Jersey. So, nice. And mm-hmm. when did you make that big move? I was 17. So this will be coming up in three years. Um, I moved for Dave, my partner now. Uh, he, you know, I knew that he was looking for a partner. I knew that, um, you know, he was very established here and that I would need to move to dance with him. And at that time, actually, I took a break from dancing, which was the only time I ever took a break from dancing. I took about a few months off during COVID. And I was just kind of, you know, trying to stick with school and I just needed a break. You know, after so Mm -hmm. many years, you burn out a bit. And so I took a few months off and that was when I got the text about Dave, which is actually super, you know, serendipitous, I think. Um, So I got that text and actually um, Karina Smirnoff was one who texted me who I had no idea she knew who I was. Um, She's very close with um, the Firestein family. And she was like, you have to go. It's like a great opportunity. So, you know, I took a leap of faith. I came out for a tryout for about a week. And then I was like, this is where I'm, I want to be. So that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. You were 17. So where were you in terms of school? Were you in finishing high school? Yes. So I actually had a very interesting high school experience. I was in regular high school freshman year. And then I got real with a very serious amateur partner when I was 15. So I took sophomore year online and then I came back junior year, COVID hit. So I was back online. And then luckily my senior year, which is when all this happened, when I was going to move to the East Coast, luckily everything was still online. So I was able to finish my senior year in, in New Jersey. Wow. I was doing my Zoom classes and then doing training and Zoom class and doing training. So it was, it was a whirlwind, but I finished my school online um, in California. I graduated in California, but it was all on Zoom for my, my senior year. So it actually wow. worked that, that I didn't have to go back great. to class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I assume with the time difference, right? Taking classes yes. East Coast time versus West Coast, you probably had to be up at odd Actually, hours. I got lucky because we're, we're later. So mm. my 6 a.m. class was then 9 a.m., which was quite a nice surprise. Right. If it would have been the other way, I would have been Oof. up super early, but it was nice. It complemented my training schedule really well. So I was able to complete it and, you know, be in a good balance. Amazing. What is your training schedule? What does it look like? Well, we travel a lot for competitions. So week to week changes a lot. We also are full-time teachers. So um, I would say that um, we mostly train in the mornings and have lessons in the mornings. And then we have late, late rounds and those types of things um, with our students, which is really nice because we have that like atmosphere and we're like inspiring to the little ones. Um, but every day we're in the studio, Saturdays are only day off. We take a full day off, um, nothing, unless there's a competition, which is basically every other weekend. Mm-hmm. So those days off are fair and few, but in general, we're in the studio every day, work and training ourselves. So it's a Got nonstop it. thing. Yeah. So you are living the dancer's life. That's amazing. Yes. Did you ever think this would be a possibility? Like, was it always your dream to be a dancer? Um, Yes. Yes, in the sense that I always knew that this was something I was going to pursue. There have been times where I'm like, is this what I want to do professionally in terms of like career wise, how I make money? Um, 
but definitely there's never like been a hindrance. Like I knew that I wanted to be a dancer as my, you know, passion and yeah. something I wanted to pursue till the end. Um, but in terms of like my occupation, I think things could change. I have interest in business and maybe opening up my own studio one day. So those things are more, you know, up for you have time. Yeah. yeah. But for definitely <laughs> in terms of dance goals that that's always been since I was young, like I knew I wanted to go for it. So incredible. And you're only 19 years old. So I just turned 20. Actually. Oh, you just turned 20. Yeah. Happy <laughs> belated. Wow. Thank you. Well, you're yes. still so young and you're working yes. full-time as a teacher and a competitor. Yes. So a lot of people who aren't in, in the industry of performing arts um, or ballroom, like they have no idea what that lifestyle looks like. So can you walk us through it? Yeah. So um, basically, I would say that on a day-to-day, I mean, I'm still in school. I'm in college now. So oh. my mornings are filled. Yes. I'm, I mean, community college, but still I'm trying nice. to keep up with my education while dancing, which I feel like is important. Um, so my mornings are usually filled with schoolwork. Um, and then I usually come to the city around 11 or 12. We do our lessons for the day with our coach. We train, we have our practice session. Occasionally we'll have rounds in the morning. Um, and then we teach from around three or four o'clock until nine to 10. So I'm nonstop in the studio, basically the whole day. Um, we finish usually around nine or 10, depending on if we have late rounds. That's Monday through Friday for me. The same thing every day, same four walls. I'm pretty boring. <laughs> um, Saturdays are off unless we're competing. And then Sunday we do rounds, big rounds with um, at Rogers Dance Center, which is a big studio out here in, on the East Coast. Um, and that's kind of our way to be around other amateur and professional couples. And we do rounds there almost every Sunday. So that's my week. Usually nothing changes really, unfortunately. It's pretty boring. Um, but yeah, it's the I hustle. Like it's the hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Very East Coast. I have to say also that um, the East Coast is very, the hustle is completely different, especially in ballroom. I would say that like growing up on in California, I was always like, felt like I had a super hard work ethic. And then I came mm-hmm. here and I was like, you know, that with the work aspect, I would say more like to teach and then to dance all day is a completely different story than to just dance. Like I was always just yeah. dancing. So for me, it's a big, big change. Right. Because you're on your feet the whole day. Yes. It's, it's painful, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Absolutely. Yes. And that's why we have our practice shoes, right? Yes. Yes. Teaching Can't shoes live without save the day. Yes. <laughs> amazing okay so um recently you won the blackpool title uh so for those of you who don't know blackpool dance festival is the most prestigious ballroom festival in the world um you could equate it to like the olympics in other sports um and you won in your division under 21 latin um tell me about that what was that like well my first Blackpool was actually last year, which is crazy because I've been dancing for so long. Most people go in juveniles and young ages, under 12. Um, but I was 19 when I went to my first Blackpool. Um, it's a place like no other. I recommend it to every ballroom dancer just to go at least once because it's such an amazing experience um, in a historical building. Like it's just such a cool experience to be a part of. Um, but we went for my first year last year, and we were so happy and fortunate to be placed second last year. 
um, in the under 21 category. And we were like thrilled, you know, just to make the final in Blackpool is a huge achievement, but then to come in second after only, you know, being the first year, um, we were, you know, overjoyed. Um, and then come this year, we were, you know, no expectations. Like every year is a different year in ballroom. Everyone who's in the industry knows you never know what can happen. So you just go with your best product and hope for the best. Um, but then to go and win was such a, um, like topping to such an amazing like trip. And then to, for all the year of training, like it totally paid off. Um, so, I mean, the feelings are indescribable. I would say that, you know, it's a bit of relief because you're putting everything, all this time, money, effort into something that you're working towards. And, you know, that type of result is something that sticks with you for life. So it's like a, oh, like I can breathe and relax that, you know, one of my goals was achieved. Of course, we have higher goals and older categories to go after, but I would say it's a great start for our partnership. And we were more than thrilled with incredible. It was amazing. Incredible. What a dream come true. Wow. Yes. Um, and how long have you been dancing with Dave? Uh, we're coming up on three years. September will be three years. It feels nice. like 20, but <laughs> it's hard. It's like either it feels like a month or three, uh, 20 years, but yeah. 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 Of September. Amazing. And do you live with his family in Jersey? Yes, I do. At the moment, since uh, three years, which was part of why I was so comfortable moving here at 17, you know, it's quite a young age to move across the country away from your family. But um, he has such a sense of family in within the household that I was very comfortable right away. And it was an easy choice for me. Uh, so yeah, so at the moment, I'm still living while I'm in college and everything, but hopes is to move uh, to my own place shortly. But for now, yes, we live all together, one big happy family. <laughs> Love that. And Dave comes from a dancing family, right? His older brother also dances. Yes. Correct. Yes. His yes. older brother dances. Um, I wouldn't say dancing family because no one else in the family dances, but just <laughs> they got very lucky with two boys who were very talented. Older wow. brother and young brother who are they're only three years apart. They're competing against each other now, but um both very talented. They got lucky for sure. For sure. For sure. So tell me about uh, how to navigate a partnership um, in terms of communication, in terms of, you know, because my background is also in gymnastics, which is an individual sport. And when I was transitioning from gymnastics to ballroom, that was my biggest challenge was learning how to work with another person and learning how to communicate with another person and trust another person to create a product together. Whereas in gymnastics, mm -hmm. all you had to do is focus on yourself, right? So how do you navigate a successful partnership? Because you are in a successful partnership, but I'm sure there are challenges. How do you navigate those? So I would say like, in I've had many partners, which I'm not proud of, but- <laughs> Why, why are you not proud? <laughs> Um, I think, I mean, coming from like on like Max, Dave's uh, brother has been dancing with his partner for 20 years. I grew up around couples like Tyler and Angelica, for those who know, like who are together forever. So it's just around people who are with the same partner. And I always envied that because you get used to a person, things become easier with time. And I feel like a lot of the time, a lot of people split before they get over that like hill of learning about each other and how to communicate with each other and I think that that's what 
failed in my previous partnerships is we wouldn't allow it enough time. I would just be like, it's not working. Mm. Call it quits before you actually can see where it's going to go. So what I've learned, especially being on the East Coast, is a lot of couples have been together for so long. And that's why they're so successful is because they know each other like the back of their hand. And it's very easy to work with somebody who you know so well. When you're learning new people, it's very difficult and that's where conflict happens. Um, So for Dave and I, like the main thing is we respect each other so much as individual dancers. Like I moved here for him and he understands the sacrifice that I've made and vice versa. He respects me so much as a dancer and, you know, sought after me as a partner. So we definitely have that mutual respect for each other, which is the basis of our partnership, because I feel like oftentimes people don't view each other as equals. One partner feels they're stronger, one partner feels they're weaker. And that's where conflict starts because then there's this ego and superiority. And that's at least in my experience, what I've you know faced. Um, but I would say when you find that partner where you both have a mutual respect for each other's dancing individually, and you can come together as equals, that's the best formula. Mm-hmm. And I think Without the ego, a lot of things, a lot of things are possible. Of course, we have our moments where, you know, like we have our ego come up, but in general, we kind of maintain this mutual respect and we allow each other the space to develop and discuss and, you know, but again, like I said, I think time is the key. I think that people split too early in the fact that they don't learn each other and then they call it quits before they know, before they know each other. Yeah. I guess that's what I would say in my experience yeah. Yeah, longevity is definitely key to nurturing any kind of successful partnership relationship. Um, I completely agree that, you know, when the going gets tough, right, if it's something worth fighting for, then you should stick it out, you know, and and make sure also, I think, that your goals align, right? Mm -hmm. Having that fundamental basis of, yes, we want the same things competitively and we have our eye on the same prize because this is a teamwork kind of thing. Right. Um, Goals is a big one, too. I would say that um, when you as a dancer, you have to understand that you're willing to sacrifice it all. And if somebody is not at that level, it's difficult to communicate in the same way because you're at different points. You want different things, which is why it's so important to find somebody who's at your level or who wants the same things, because I also believe that somebody who isn't necessarily there right at the moment has the ability to grow with the right goals and with the right partnership. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in general, I would say though, that time is everything. Yeah. Time and lack of ego. Lack of the, ego. Those are the two things. For sure. Um, so what are some of your long-term goals with dance? Well, now with the under 21 checked off, Next is obviously amateur, which is a big ball game. Um, we were very fortunate to place so high this year in amateur. We were shocked. Um, we were 16, so a few few places away from the semifinal of amateur, which is which is huge, like a uh, lifetime achievement. Congratulations! Um, but, thank you. But we're still like a very competitive person. I obviously would like to be in the final as soon as possible. Um, so just working hard every day for that goal that would be my next goal I would say final and hopefully eventually win the amateur as soon as possible and one thing about my career is I'm always um, I'm always striving to do things 
not as fast as possible, but meaning I'm striving as hard and as fast as I can because I feel that I don't want to do this until I'm 40, 42. Like that's for some people that might work, but for me personally, I would I would like to be done with my career a bit earlier. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I have a little bit more fire under my butt to achieve the goals that I want to achieve. So I would say that amateur is the next goal, obviously. And then eventually, you know, to be in pro final and Blackpool would be uh, the end goal. So wow. I would say Blackpool Worlds, whatever, whatever you want to call it, whatever the federations decide to do, but some yeah. sort of world title or Blackpool title in professional is the ultimate goal. Yeah. Let's manifest it. Let's speak <laughs> it into existence. That's yes. amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about like we you briefly mentioned the dancing culture in the East Coast versus West Coast, how the hustle in the East Coast is the norm, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone's working so hard there. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kennedy, um, ballroom especially the latin division latin american dancing um in the u.s is is very uh new york is kind of the hub right new york new jersey east coast that's where all the best teachers congregate and obviously the dancers want to be around where the teachers are um is that correct yes 100 percent. i would say that we i would say that always since I was a child that's been the case and there's maybe it's a whatever stigma but I think that that's the reality and now living here I can say with all honesty that that's the way it is from young children I teach young generation now and the the drive and the commitment to dance starts at a young age so like in California kids are more I would say on a hobby level comes mm-hmm. a year but this starts from a young age. So we're a little bit on the back end. We have a slow start. And that's why it's, you see that difference a little bit from East Coast, West Coast. It's just purely how much discipline is from a young age. And even being bred in California myself and training in California, it was an amazing, amazing start. But, you know, you start to think like how much that little percentage in those years make a difference. But it's purely just how much you put in at a young age. And that's yeah. what creates those best dancers out here is there's a hustle from age five, age, age four. I started at age seven. So it's like time and also the discipline and the, the time that they put in, you know, from a young, young age. Absolutely. Um, definitely. I would say East Coast is the hub for Latin. Mm-hmm. I would say on the standard end, I think it's leaning more towards West Coast now, which is mm-hmm. very cool. I see there's that. a big shift. Arizona, California, and there's a big shift, uh, especially now with a lot of, you know, European dancers coming to the US, I would say that, uh, you know, standards going more towards West Coast pushing and East Coast is, I would say, a little bit stronger on the Latin side, generally, exceptions, but in terms of Mm -hmm. the mass people, I think East Coast is a little bit more on the pushing side. Got it, got it. Um, So who are your teachers? Uh, my teachers are Iger Stolzers and Agatha Baranowska. They're from Canada originally. Well, they're Latvian, actually. I should start mm. with that. Um, <laughs> they're from Latvia. They moved to Canada. And then they started training Dave, Max, the whole studio. Uh, they would come occasionally from Canada and teach them. And then they decided to move to the, to the U.S. officially. Um, so they're our main coaches. Of course, we have 
our team or other people or guest coaches, but um, for the most part, there are day in day out coaches. So got it. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And you have a younger sister who also dances and it's so funny, Brooklyn. um, She and I trained at with Simona and Lucas. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Brooklyn has inherited Kennedy's talent. She is Mm -hmm. such a firecracker. She's so good. I was like, I wonder where she gets it from. Yeah. Yeah. She is, I would say, so she was, she's been dancing for a while. Like she started at, I want to say like four, you know, like she's been around the studio. So she just joined group classes, but she was never serious about it until like really serious. I would say the last year. So we can really see the improvement starting to happen. Yeah. But she loves it. She has it inside of her. Um, maybe even more than me. We'll see. She's <laughs> <laughs> one to look out for, for sure. She's definitely yeah. Follow in big sister's footsteps let's hope let's hope yeah yeah amazing so uh kennedy what is your favorite part about latin ballroom dancing oh that's a loaded question <laughs> um i would say i've always from a young age had an obsession with music i'm very music oriented just in life i wish i could sing but i cannot but i love music me neither yeah <laughs> I, I like was in band in middle school i've always just been surrounded by music Um, And I think that that was kind of the big deciding factor between gymnastics and dance, because in gymnastics, you know, like floor routine, you do music, but there was that disconnect in terms of like, I wanted to move my body to music. So when I started dance, that was kind of like my poison. I was like, oh, this is so much better. Um, And then also I'm, you know, I'm of Latin heritage. My mom is Peruvian and Cuban. So I definitely have that in my blood naturally. And I think that it kind of connects me to my heritage. I'm super white girl. I don't speak Spanish, nothing. (laughs) But it's the one part of me where I can kind of connect to, you know, my lineage. And that's also why I'm like very passionate about it. So I would say music, um, connecting to, you know, my roots. uh, And I also just feel like I'm so fortunate to be able to travel the world and to see so many things. I think a lot of people don't get that chance. And through dance. I've been able to, I've been to so many countries for competitions and I feel very fortunate and uh, well-traveled for sure. Thanks to dancing. So I would say those are a few things, but also, I mean, in general, I think it's just a good thing from a young age, discipline, um, you know, mental strength, like it, it, it just, it encompasses so much, but for me Mm -hmm. personally, I would say that those three things were kind of my main my main things amazing and you're such a performer like your stage present presence is incredible um do you ever get I don't know any kind of performance anxiety or are you just I'm on like the minute I hit the floor I will say that when I was younger I was a nervous wreck all the time like I was just nervous person generally I am but when it came to competitions I was very nervous However, moving to the East Coast and especially dancing with Dave has changed that for me. Dave is a very confident person, I would say. Not arrogant, not, you know, but he's very sure of his product and what he's worked for. And he is very chill himself during comps. So I've naturally kind of adapted to his speed. And I've kind of just understood that there really is nothing to stress about because it's out of your control. Whatever you did in the studio, whatever's left is going to show up on the floor 
the judges, the results, none of that is in your control. So all you can do is just do what you've been doing for the last however many years with this partner, however many practices. So I think there's a bit of that like competence factor. Like when I feel like I've done my job in the studio and I've done my work and I've done the things I was supposed to do, I'm a lot more easygoing and relaxed versus I think nerves sometimes come from that feeling of maybe I didn't do enough. Mm. so I think that that helps me but definitely my partner is like a game changer for me like he is okay even at Blackpool he's like everything's gonna be fine we just do what we do and whatever happens happens so that mentality has really helped me before I'd be a nervous wreck but now I'm a little bit more calm I have my moments but in general I'm <laughs> pretty calm yeah that that's a really interesting point that you bring up about how your partner's demeanor and mentality and energy can really affect your own right because I'm sure you've been with other partners who have a different approach and a different you know energy when it comes to competition talk to me about that because that's really interesting to me yes I'm the great person to ask because I think I've had seven partners Mm. in the however many years I've been dancing like 13 years 13 years high number so I've seen it all (laughs) but I would say yes I'm I'm naturally a very sensitive person I'm affected by other people's energies I kind of absorb it um so if my partner I've had partners who were very nervous anxious like um on the bit of the negative side before competing which is very common it's nothing bad it's just uh, a natural state but um it definitely took a toll on me because I in turn kind of absorb that energy and take it on to myself um, but I would say that that's why it's also really important to find somebody because in practice, things are important with partners, but I would say you see the true colors and what's important. And if this is going to work on competition days, because mm-hmm. that at the end of the day is all that matters. Like how, how things work out in competition day is what you're looking for. So I would say that those things are more important, how they act around competitions, how they make you feel. Are you comfortable Uh, do they pump you up like that is like the best quality you can find in a partner I would say for sure absolutely yeah Um, and do you guys warm up together or do you have your own kind of separate ritual and then how does it work it's funny it's (laughs) funny I I would say majority of the time we're very individual in warm-ups but I would say that that's come more recently as we get more comfortable with each other because we we zen out in different ways he's very like airpods in like in my own bubble and I'm like watching the comp like feeling the music seeing what if there's a percussionist like I'm very I'm like a person my warm-up is more mental I would say and of course physical stuff comes along with it but I'm very need to be in tune with my surroundings versus he goes opposite he goes internal Mm. so we're very individual at the start uh, closer to the competition time, we then go over the routines with the comp music, start warming up the body, all that jazz. But I would say in general, we, individual is a little bit more important to us because we've done our job together in practice. So in theory, what we've done should show up on the floor. Um, but in terms of warm up, I really have to feel the comp and feel the music and feel the atmosphere. And he's the opposite. He has to kind of go into his own thoughts and kind of a little bit more Zen than me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say a little bit more individual than most Got people. It. Say. Got it. Um, 
Okay, so live performance, there's always so many things that could go wrong. I know I, I don't want to sound negative there, but um, there's a lot of variables you can't control, right? Dress, uh, who, you know, the people around you, dancing, floor craft. Uh, what is like this, I don't know what the word is, the scariest moment in a competition or a live performance that you have encountered and had to navigate? I had a really horrible experience one of my first years of dancing, which was kind of a good thing. It prepared me for the worst. Um, <laughs> I was dancing embassy. Hmm, in big California. comp. Big comp. I was in preteen. And for those of you who don't know, preteen heels are like blocks. And uh, when you get older, it's skinnier, higher heels. So I had this big block of a heel for preteen. So I'm dancing. I'm dancing this big final that I'm so excited I'm in for, I don't know, probably like silver or something, so whatever. And I'm dancing and all of a sudden I take a step and something feels super strange and I have no idea what's up. I look down and my entire heel had come off my shoe. So I'm dancing with nails sticking into the ground. Oh my God. So at that point I'm like, well, I'm not going to scratch the floor. Silly me, seven years old is worried about the floor and not about my foot. So I'm <laughs> dancing on tippy toe. So I'm dancing with one foot on the ball of the foot and the other foot normal. So it ends the rest of the round. I think it would happen in Samba. So I had three dances left to go with nails sticking out. No heel. I was dancing on a toe the whole time. Oh my so gosh. that was probably my scariest moment <laughs> as a child. And I've been pretty lucky since, I would say, knock on wood. I've been pretty lucky. Nothing super crazy has happened. Um, I am probably going to regret saying this now. But, <laughs> but after that moment, I haven't had anything like super bad happen. I've seen Good. a lot of things happen, but um, personally, nothing that I can think of at the moment maybe knock on wood that I it know. stays that way <laughs> yeah I mean in terms of shoes and 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 uh costume and injuries things like that I've been pretty lucky mm-hmm that's yeah. good. And that's one thing, injuries, right? We we use our bodies as our instruments. So we need to really take good care of it. Uh, yes. What what kinds of injuries do you see in, in ballroom dancers in particular? Because each athlete, each sport has its own kind of characteristic set of injuries. So for ballroom dancers. So I see a big one nowadays, especially I went open, meaning like to junior level with heels and everything like that at 10 years old, which is pretty young. Most people go at 12, which is after you usually hit puberty, you grow like you're done with everything. I hit, I went up to uh, juniors fairly early and I see a lot of injuries when you go onto those high heels at a young age. I'm starting to see, especially in my students and people around in the industry, a lot of hip injuries. Mm. or knee things like that due to the high heels too early or maybe like improper technique on heels Mm -hmm. Um, that's a big one hip hip and knee is a big thing for me personally I'm pretty lucky in terms of injuries again knock on wood um I have you know the usual aches and pains from training and things like that I have, you know, in the last two or three years had some neck and shoulder issues. Of course, the, the harder you train, the, but nothing super major. And I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. I feel like every comp I go to, there's always one person who, you know, like pulls a groin or a lot of in ballroom, a lot of things are muscular, which we're lucky. It's not like in gymnastics where it's broken arm, broken leg, like we, I haven't seen very much of that. Of course, there's, you know, some people who do, but I would say mm-hmm. a lot of it's 
muscular, which sometimes is worse because the healing process is more difficult because with the bone, you put a cast on, it heals in a set amount of time. With a muscle, you can re-injure it, re-injure it over and over and over. And that's what I see a lot in, especially this generation, because things are going harder, faster, stronger. Everything's going in that direction. So we do see a lot of muscular injuries in Bollerum, I would say, more than bones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So do you do anything um, outside of ballroom, like any kind of supplemental movement training to to keep the injuries at bay, um, like yoga or um, other things? Yeah, I am very fortunate in our studio. We had for almost three years, she left. uh, We had a coach who was our stretching coach. She had Mm. a rhythmic gymnastics background Mm. um, in Russia. So she was really helpful. I would take private uh, instruction lessons with her and really, really stretch. Because, you know, I think as dancers, especially ballroom dancers, we're really bad. We're like, okay, let's put our heels on and let's go. Um, But I think that she really helped me understand that there's so much more prep before you dance, but also after, which is something I never thought about before. Um, it's not really promoted in ballroom that much, which I feel like it should be more um, because it does prevent so many injuries. And I wish I was more stretched as a child because now it's more difficult as, you know, becoming an adult to stretch the things that I didn't before. Mm-hmm. But stretching is a big, 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 big thing for me. And more recently, I've gone into Pilates, which I love for former Pilates. Um, I wanted something beside dancing to kind of, more for aesthetics, I would say for like the toning aspects, but it is still stretching and mobility things that I will need in my dancing anyway. Um, But I would say that it's helped me a lot in terms of like the aesthetic of ballroom dancing and how you're supposed to look on the floor and without the physically lifting weights or anything that makes you stiff. Because I think as ballroom dancers, the worst thing that we can do is doing something outside that creates big muscles for us to become stiff. So I think a lot of dancers are moving away from traditional weightlifting and workouts, traditional gym style. And I think we're moving towards bar, Pilates, yoga, things like that, that are still like mobility centered, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, A lot of dancers do Pilates yoga. There's one, um, one dancer in New York, Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Um, She's gyrotonic. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's the Mm -hmm. gyrotonic method. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of known as the person to go to for that. Um, She trains a lot of big name dancers um, in that modality. for like you said, like sculpting, toning, injury prevention. So it is important to, in addition to your training on the dance floor, um, to have other supplemental um, ways to keep your body healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What do you like to do outside of dancing? What are some of your hobbies? hobbies? (laughs) (laughs) Lots of free time. (laughs) Right. Um, I would say I'm a big sports fan. So I usually... I'm really big into football, so I'll go to a football game. Um, I love traveling. If I can go somewhere without a competition, it's like a miracle for me. I love mm-hmm. traveling um, just for vacation purposes, for adventuring. Um, what else do I do? Don't do much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that those are cool. my main two things. I don't know. That's dance awesome. Basically all of my time. So Live and breathe dance. I also love food. So I'm a oh. big foodie. I like to go and try new restaurants, new cuisines, 
that's also something I enjoy. I love that. And I love that as a dancer, you can appreciate food because I know like so many of us um, in aesthetic sports are so obsessed with body image and it can get quite toxic in some Mm -hmm. ways and Mm -hmm. we feel like oh we have to restrict we have to look skinny we have to look whatever um yeah let's talk about that so uh Mm -hmm. body image in ballroom so I know in other forms of dance like ballet um it's very there's high pressure to look a very specific way um to conform to that ideal look you know of Mm -hmm. a ballerina is there such thing as an ideal body for a ballroom dancer or is it more or is there more flexibility there um i think there's a lot more flexibility i think we're a very fortunate industry i mean of course everyone has their own expectations for what they want to look like they pick some person that they like their body and they want to look like that person but generally if you look at like world champions throughout the years they have very different body types some are more curvy some are super skinny like ball- ballerinas it all depends on like your preference which I like there's there's options you don't have to fit into the ballerina box which is something that I feel like would be so bad in the ballroom industry on top of everything else we have to deal with to be worried about being stick uh stick thin would be very difficult um I personally you know obviously like maintaining a healthy body type is important to me um but I would say that in general my main thing aesthetically is to to for me personally to like how I look not necessarily to match a mold or to match a standard of previous champions or anything like that I think you see yourself you've seen yourself in different weights different um you know body structure wise like you've been through a lot throughout the years and you just kind of have to choose for yourself which version of yourself you like the best so I kind of put myself on a scale of my own self which prevents that sort of like comparison factor Mm -hmm. um but definitely it's an issue just because we have options doesn't mean I see a lot of people struggle with um body image with dieting with food with you know um it's it's challenging but again I think it comes down to which version of yourself you feel the best dancing in because at the end of the day the product is the dancing while the aesthetic is, you know, factored in, I would say that whatever weight, whatever look you dance the best in, that should be your goal at all times. So whether that's super skinny or on the curvier side, whatever you decide for yourself, I think that that's the best version of yourself for yourself, not for anybody else. And I think that's the main thing I try and focus on to avoid the 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 toxic comparison. Yeah, the, the need to look like this person or that person, I think, right. comes down to the dancing. I look at Dan, my product as the competition floor. When I watch my videos, if I compare it to the past year, I have to choose the best self and the best machine because at the end of the day, our bodies, we need it physically for what we're trying to do. Yeah. And if I'm not in a healthy place, stamina wise, those types of things, then it doesn't matter how I look because sometimes right. when you're also on the too skinny side, you don't have the muscle and the the grit and the everything that you need to do such a you know high impact sport that we do. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that you know viewing yourself as having to fuel the machine, like we need our body. Um, that's the most important way to look at it, not as something that you have to break down into mm-hmm. something so in comparison to other people. I think right. 
I love that healthy mentality of you choose the best version of yourself and focus on yourself and don't, you know, stay in your own lane. Don't, don't look to other people. Um, I mean, it's good to look to other people for inspiration, right? Inspiration is important. Um, Who are some of your biggest dance idols? Well, I would, I'm pretty consistent with this. I've had the same idol since I was super young. Um, Anya Melnikova from decades ago was one of my favorite dancers since childhood. Uh, I was lucky enough to have YouTube growing up. So that was my source of inspiration. I'd watch, I know all of her videos, you play a song, I know which dress she's wearing, like to that extent. Um, And then later on in my career, you know, well, as I got older, Nino and Austin got super popular. And she's always someone I looked up to, not only dance in the dance regard, I mean, she's an amazing dancer. Um, but also as a, as a person, she really inspired me the way that throughout the years that I've known her, she stayed the same. She stayed humble. So in as a young dancer, that was very, very inspiring because a lot of these top dancers can be a bit, not mean, but a bit, you know, like arrogant. And mm-hmm. I respected the fact that throughout the year, she was always super kind. And I saw her with everyone around her, um, you know, very sweet and I wow. think more on the personal side, I would say she was like a big inspiration for, for me to stay humble and to stay a good person, no matter what happens in your career. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, dance wise also, but those are my two main people that I've stuck with it. I think it's also not great. I've been caught in those moments where you kind of focus in too much on one person and you become obsessed and looking like that person and dancing like that person. We all go through it. Um, but I think that what I try and capture is the essence of who I'm inspired by. Like, what does Anya Milnikova make me feel? That's the type of essence that I want to give to another person, if that makes sense. So it's not necessarily their technique, their fingers, their foot, but more so like what they make me feel, I want to make other people feel. So I try and capture those things as opposed to like focusing in on choreo and foot action and copying every single little thing. So yeah. I think those are my two main people. Wonderful. I love them also. They're brilliant. You're brilliant too. I mean, come on. Like I've seen you from when you were 12 till now and just you've come so far and all that dedication and hard work certainly paid off. And it's just so cool to see that. And um, I wish you all the best. I know you have a very bright future ahead in your dance career, Kennedy. Um, And Yeah, I'm grateful to know you personally. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about some of the, I guess, the challenges, the unseen challenges that um, go on in the ballroom world that someone from the outside looking in may not realize these are challenges we face. So what, what are some challenges? A big one for me that I've faced my whole career was, I think as a child going into it, you sacrifice a lot of your younger years and you know the normalcy of a child life I feel like um in school I was always like a little bit weird like like she couldn't go to this game or this event she always has dance so I think in the in terms of like friends and school relationships and things like that I always you know that was a bit of a challenge for me fitting in also like I was always a little bit beyond my years because of dance it makes you mature much quicker Um, I really face a lot of problems understanding that it's okay to not be normal. It's okay to, you know, be 
like on a path that, you know, no one understands at a young age. Like, I think that that was a big, a big challenge for me to overcome, but I would say now it's definitely paid off and I made such close bonds and relationships within the dance world that it's really, you know, flourish. And like, I have a lot of, you know, people who I rely on and who I remember and who stick with me from the beginning. But I mean, eventually I, I figured it out. Eventually, you know, I still had school friends. I have super close friends from school to this day. As you get older, it gets easier. But I think a lot of kids who go into ballroom face the same struggle and also that like ballroom isn't cool, especially for guys like mm-hmm. made fun of. Like there's a lot of that come with doing something super non-conventional. Everyone knows ballet, jazz, tap, but when you say ballroom, they're like, what is that? So right. I think there's a big like challenge with that, especially in school. Um, but you know, I would say I had it pretty easy. I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty easy challenge to overcome. Um, what other challenges in ballroom? I would say another big thing is um, it's a lot of mental like war with yourself, I would say, because you're trying to push yourself physically beyond limits that you think are there, but it's really all a mental game. And I think that it really is like your career is like this and to mentally stay stable is very difficult when Mm -hmm. you have such high highs and low lows. But I think that once you understand that that's the game, that these highs and lows are what you're, you know, that's what this industry is. That's mm-hmm. how everyone's story is. No one's had a perfect ride up. Once you understand that mentally, you're able to kind of understand, okay, it's a high, I'm enjoying it. It's a low, it'll, it'll pass. So yeah. I think that at a young age, that was difficult. Like, am I ever going to make it anywhere? Like, you know, I mean, my whole first, I would say until. Um, 15 or 16 like I never made a U.S. final I never made it a national final in my life and you know like after so many years of hard work like preteen juvenile I never made a final which I felt like was such a high achievement and other people around me were doing it and I was like why not me kind of thing um but I feel like the people who end up making it are those who understand that when you put the work in regardless of the result eventually it pays off yeah Um, I was very fortunate to have parents who were very um, persistent with making me show up, making me, you know, do what I'm supposed to do, what I, what I committed to. And I think that that kept me going. And even though it was challenging as a child, I think I understood later on that those highs and lows are for everybody. So you cannot quit on your low when you're about to spring back up. And that's every time I have a bad day, I'm like, something good's coming and that's kind of the mentality I live with and every day you have to show up and get one percent better and it just gradually gets better and better and better so yeah those were some challenges I had it super easy I cannot complain I've had a very amazing career I'm very fortunate I'm very grateful but in, as as a child it was a little bit difficult um, mm-hmm. you know be seen as differing and then to not know if my work was going to pay off eventually but Especially because in California, ballroom is not a super big thing, you know, versus East Coast ballroom culture, right? So I could imagine how you would feel that way, like being like probably the only competitive ballroom dancer in the school, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, East Coast is definitely fortunate in that. Well, there's also, I would say, a larger, I mean, our ballroom industry is a large majority Russian culture. 
mm-hmm. uh, Russian, Ukrainian, Eastern European, like it's a big majority of our industry. And, you know, growing up in Bay Area, California, we did not have, especially 13 years ago, we don't, mm-hmm. we didn't have that type of situation going on. And so I was basically the only kid in my school. Yes, San Jose, California, there was nobody else as a ballroom dancer in my entire even high school, I went to a huge high school and nobody did ballroom right. in my graduating class. So you can imagine, but here, everybody does ballroom. Like you go to a Staten Island school or a Brooklyn school or a school in New Jersey, and there's at least four or five kids who have done or are doing ballroom. Yeah. So definitely, I think that there's like a difference in which coast you grow up in. But For now sure. it's a little easier, I think. I think Californians are starting to pick up and kind of, start younger and it's more popular, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Wow. This was great. I loved hearing your story, Kennedy. Um, Let's finish with this final question. Uh, What advice would you give to aspiring professional or just aspiring ballroom dancers? Hmm. (laughs) I would say keep going. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Keep going. I think um, I wish that there would be somebody close to me who would have told me that low lows are normal because I think that in in any industry but especially in ballroom we always capture the highlight reels of every couple they were 10-time world champion but what about the years that they weren't you know what I mean every couple has this and I think that we focus so much on the highs that it kind of creates a false expectation of what your career is supposed to look like and I think if someone were to have told me you know you're gonna have some really rough days you're gonna have some days where you want to quit but you keep going even if you show up you put your shoes on and you can only give 50% of what you can you do it because that little 50% day after day after day after year it compounds on itself and that is where you know I would say champions are made even with my students, I enforce them even on days where they don't feel well, or where they think, oh, like, I'm going to quit, I don't want to do this anymore. If you're serious about it, and that's your path, and that's what you're claiming, and that's your goal. The only way to, to get there is to just show up for yourself, you know, every day, just show up. Even if you feel like it's not going anywhere, eventually it will go somewhere. So I would say keep going is the best advice I could give to anybody, whatever it is you're doing, even if you think it's wrong, you have the wrong teacher, wrong information, nothing's wrong. And I feel like that's also a very big thing nowadays is that people are confused about what teacher, what what organization, what, what technique should I be following? I think growing up, I had one way. Coming here, I have a whole different way of approaching things. But somehow, I'm still here. I made it here. You know what I mean? And I think it was just that constant belief that no matter what, you have to just commit 100% to whatever's right in front of you. And eventually the right things will play out for yourself. I think when you think too far ahead, you stress yourself out. So I'm just Ooh, trying that's to so true. day by day, day by day, you show up for yourself and eventually it pays off. Yeah, that would be my main advice because little me was very nervous about where is this going to go? Am I with the right people? Am I with the right partner? I think the best thing you can do for yourself is kind of let I don't know, the universe do what it's supposed to do and just focus on you and improving you and improving your your craft every day. That's the main thing that I would say. 
just keep going, keep showing up and keep showing up. Don't allow yourself to worry and give up because I think, mm-hmm. like I said, the lows are the moments where you're about to hit something and people quit or break up with their partner at the moment where you are about to hit big. Yeah. So I've experienced it myself. So I think that that's the main thing is just continuous. My mom always told me, which I always share with everybody, which is what I live by, is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think a lot of people in this industry, especially, you know, let's do it now, now faster, which I'm guilty of myself. But in the end, it is a marathon. So you're going to have days where you don't feel like running and you run a mile, or you have days where you run 23 miles. You know what I mean? I think that it's important to realize it's a journey and not destination. Absolutely. You're so wise for your age, Kennedy. Thank you. (laughs) The ballroom industry does that to you, let me tell you. Oh my gosh. No, I'm definitely going to adopt those words for myself and my own dancing. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. It was great catching up with you as well. All right. Best of luck with everything. Bye. Of course. Bye. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Athlete Voices podcast. We have new episodes coming every Tuesday, so stay up to date with that by clicking subscribe. You can follow us on our Instagram at Athlete Voices and check out our website, athletevoices.net, where we post feature articles about the guests on this podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.